What if I told you you could have a stronger and more passionate marriage if you did this one thing every day? Well, I'm going to share with you that one tip in episode seven of the 318 Project. This is the 318 Project, a guide to equip men through godly principles and develop as husbands, fathers, and sons. And now, your host, Ryan Hare. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of the 318 Project. So what is that one thing that will help your marriage? It's prayer. So a few years ago, I had attended a men's conference out in Dallas, and as I was there, um, there was a gentleman by the name of Wes Yoder that was speaking, and he had a book uh, called Bond of Brothers, and in that book, it had a marriage prayer. And so I took that and started praying over my wife, April, every morning as I was getting ready for work or just in general prayer. And I saw how things were just getting better. And it was about almost a year that I'd been doing this that I finally told her that I had been praying this prayer over her. And she said she could tell a change. So I want to share with you not just the prayer, but things behind the prayer as where I've expanded even more to share with you what I pray for her. Now, the big part about prayer is that prayer does produce intimacy. It's not always about that physical, intimate time, but just that unity together. As Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole says, prayer produces intimacy. You become intimate with the one you pray to, the one you pray for, and the one you pray with. And that's the whole basis of this, is that as you pray, you're not only going closer to your wife, but also to God. And it's strengthening that relationship with Christ and also with your wife. So as I go, here's the prayer, and I'll, and I'll kind of talk about the prayer, but then I'll also put some emphasis behind why I say these things, why, why they're that way, and also with Scripture. So it starts out, Dear Heavenly Father, I spoke those vows to love, honor, and cherish her in sickness and in health, richer or poor, good times and bad, forsaking all others till death do us part. So where does this part of the wedding vow come from? Well, it's not really in the Bible. Now, Romans 7 verse 2 says, For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from that law to her husband. But the actual vow doesn't appear until the Book of Common Prayers in 1549 by Thomas Cranmer through the Church of England. Now, when we talk about all this, and even when Christ talked about having that covenant, a covenant, it's a binding law. So it's something that is bound for life. Now, a contract is just something that is written, that has laws and legality behind it. So it's always, and we see today, where contracts are being broken or being disputed in, in court. But a marriage is a covenant law. It is something that is forever. Now, as we go into that next part, it, that prayer says, I want to mean that more today than when I took those vows. So this is something that you grow with. It's not just a... I said it on that day, and I mean it. 
you know, there's always the joke of, you know, the the wife wife says to the husband, you never tell me you love me anymore. He says, well, I said it on our wedding day, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. That's not how it should be. We should let your wife know each and every day how much she means to you. So the next part of that prayer is, help me to love you, God, more than her, and her more than anyone or anything else. Our relationship with God should be a priority. And it even says it in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. It says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So again, it's having that love for Christ first. But that second part is that you are to love your wife more than anyone or anything else. She should have that priority over the rest of your family, your children, your job, hobbies, whether it's sports, hunting, fishing, whatever it may be. She should have that second priority in your life. Now, the next verse of that prayer is, help me to bring her into your presence today, God. We should be able each and every day to encourage her in our prayer as she grows closer to to God as well. Even in Psalms 140, verse 13, it says, Surely the righteous shall give you thanks in your presence. The upright shall dwell in your presence. So when you do this, you're taking your wife into the presence of God, uh, just uplifting her and encouraging. Now, you're not standing in the place we should take her to Christ, and Christ stands in that place to God. But again, it's you taking that position of the head of the household and the head of your family and of your marriage to be that leader and to lead her and guide her. But it's to pray for her and encourage her and lift her up. Even in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And again, it's having that blessed life that as you grow, as you both grow, it's going to strengthen that marriage and that bond. That takes you to the next part of the prayer, and it says, Make us one and have that unity in our marriage, just as you are three in one. But also help us to have that Trinity marriage that you, Christ, are at the center of our marriage, that we can be that three-stranded cord that cannot be easily broken, as it talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, of that threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. Now again, that unity part of being in harmony and together talks about it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Again, when you come together, just as you see when God created Adam and Eve, he said they were two separate, but they came as one flesh. He says this in Genesis 2, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So again, when you come together in marriage, it's one man and one woman coming together to create that one person. Not not a physical person, but again, those attributes of male and female, the personalities, those traits that come together as one. Again, when we see in Genesis, when God created Adam, he put everything in Adam. 
But then when he created Eve, he took Eve from Adam. So when that unity of coming together in marriage is that reuniting of the male and female aspects, personalities, physical traits, whatever it may be that comes together as one, and we are that one body to Christ then. Even in in Matthew 19, verse 5, and it's even reiterated in Mark 10, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus is coming back to that part of Genesis of a man leaving his mother and father to become and joining to his wife and becoming one. Now, as we go into the next part of the prayer, it says, I want to hear her and take the time to communicate and listen to her. Now, so many times we'll take this moment and she may come to you and say, hey, give you, you know, can you do this for me? Take care of this. And then she'll come back and say, did you hear me? And a lot of times you'll just say, yeah, I heard you. Uh, While you may be watching a, a ball game on your phone, whatever it may be, but she doesn't have your full attention. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole said that communication is the basis of life. And the key to communicating is listening. Think about a salesperson, a car dealership even, those salesmen. They're trying to sell you that vehicle. But what do they do? What do you, They ask you, what are you looking for? What are you interested in? They listen to what you have to say, and then they match up what you're looking for with what they have. And that's what sometimes we need to be. We need to take that time to listen and be attentive to your wife so that you understand what she's asking. Because sometimes it may not be something she's asking. She's just simply wanting to talk to you, to share with you uh, how her day's been, things that are going on. Uh, I know for me, uh, a lot of times my wife has come to me when she's coming home from work and she'll just be telling about her day and she'll be frustrated. And I'm, I'll be like, are you mad at me? And she's like, no, I just have to get this off my chest. And sometimes that's all it is. It's just that time of release that you are having that point of being attentive to her just so that she can talk and, and of, of the things that's taken place that day, whether it's her job, taking care of the kids, what, whatever it has been for that day. Now, the next part is of the prayer is to cherish her as a rare and precious jewel to admire and to hold on to. So many times we look at that on that wedding day, as you look at her, you see this beautiful woman that is standing before you in this dress and everything is just, it feels perfect. And it's for that moment, but that moment comes and goes quickly. And over time, as the marriage continues, you you do have those struggles, uh, those frustrations, uh, the arguments and disagreements, but you're learning about it. But again, she is that precious treasure. And when I was re- when I was l- doing this prayer and even studying the the verse that came to me quite a bit, and I know it's not completely related to it because it's more of that relationship with Christ. But again, Christ is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. So I take this in a sense sometimes of this still means the same for us as husbands, as you take this towards your wife. And it's in Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45. And it's two separate parts of a parable, but it's the same emphasis that Jesus brought in a parable that he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. And then in verse 45, he talks about, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
And that's how you should treat your wife. She's that precious, rare jewel that nothing else compares to it, that nothing can stack up to what you have in your wife and in that marriage. Then it goes on to say in the prayer, and to serve her just as you taught the disciples to serve and love the church. You know, Christ come to Peter after the resurrection and said, Peter, do you love me? And of course, we know that Peter said yes, and he, he does it three times, says that three times to Peter. Do you love me? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. You know I do. And each time Jesus says, keep my sheep, feed my sheep, lead my sheep. And as a husband to your wife, we are to be that that shepherd that that leads them, guides them, guards them, and governs them. But even then, when you look at it, Paul tells the church in Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave to her. So again, we as the husband, we are that leader. We are to not to be as a dictator overseeing them and giving them that strong hand of this is how I want things done, but we are the steward. We are to lead and guide them as that shepherd and steward because our responsibility is to guide, guard, and govern them and to be that prophet, priest, and king of the home, not as a dictator, but as a loving servant, not a slave. Because sometimes you may feel like, well, if I can, if I do this, then she'll show me a love and affection. And that's not how it is. It's doing, it's being a servant and doing it out of love, not expecting anything in return. Now, here was a great quote of a dear friend of mine, Doug Stringer, in his book, Leadership Awakening. He says that while men reach for thrones— to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. And again, as a husband, that's how we should be in that leadership role. We should be willing to make those sacrifices to help around the house, to to do those other things that just uplift and encourage and allow your wife to see how much she is loved and cherished and appreciated. Now, you may be saying, well, my wife is not a Christian. Well, there's a beauty to that because when she sees that you're acting in this position, you may not be forcing salvation on her, but when you still love her in this manner, you will be surprised how much it will draw her closer and and maybe be that light to her life, not saying to, you've got to come to Christ, but you just are showing it and representing it in your life and how you treat and respect her. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 17, verse 16, it even says, O husband, whether you will save your wife. So again, you don't know what impact you may have to lead her to the Lord. But it's not being overbearing and forceful of saying you need to get saved. It's simply showing her through your actions and your love and showing how much you love, care, and appreciate her. And like I said, this was something that when I came across this, it was just impactful to my life and how I implemented it and how I have seen over the years my marriage grow stronger. Yes, I still have. We still have our disagreements. We still have our occasional arguments and situations. And there's times that I catch myself that I haven't been implementing those parts of the communicating, the cherishing, and even being that servant comes. There's times you you do get self. It feels like you do get selfish or you get distracted by things and some of those things in life, but it's coming back and realizing it and coming to it and coming back to her in love 
and asking for forgiveness, because that is when you can take that authority of saying, hey, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And that's the biggest thing. As husbands, you may have that difficulty of saying, I'm sorry, but it's being able to humble yourself and show that through the love. And as we finish with this part of the prayer, it it says, so that she can love you more and that we as a couple can bring you glory and honor in all that we do. Isn't that what you should be doing as a couple? Is that growing together, being one in the unity? So I want to thank you for joining me today on this episode of The 318 Project. And what I've done is I've included a couple of links in the description note on where you can get these books, Bond of Brothers by Wes Yoder and Leadership Awakening by Doug Stringer. I've got links posted in the show notes that will take you if you wish to purchase them. But I also have a gift for you. If you click on the link that I've also provided in there, it's going to take you to a page where you can download this prayer for free. And I just want that's a gift I want to give to you to be able to have to print it out. Um, you don't have to use that specific prayer, but this is just a guideline to help you to implement something each and every day to pray for your wife. And I just want to thank you for joining me today on this episode of the 318 Project, and I hope you have a blessed and wonderful day. Thank you for joining on this adventure of integrity and honor in godly masculinity. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with other men. And remember to keep building faithful men.